everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of If You've Come This Far. Hold on, hold I just, on. I just started on... What? We could do it this way. Okay. I just started on Chris while he was doing a big stretch. Uh, but welcome to the show. Uh, this is Sean. Uh, our podcast, If you Come This Far, uh, we do it because Chris and I love to talk to each other, but it gets kind of boring and we want some really smart people to come and join us for a conversation. Right? And well, yeah, yeah, I... I guess. Is I this guess a bad right. intro? No, I, I love this intro because it's super yeah, vulnerable right. and honest. Yeah. And this right. episode and, is super vulnerable and honest. So there you go. Right. Well, are they, many of them are. Um, That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this week, we talk with uh, Jin Yoon Shin. And I forget Mike's last name. Hadwin. Mike it. Hadwin. And uh, I so want to do what you want to. Explain why we're talking to Jin Yoon and, and Mike. Yeah, yeah, sure. I would love to. Um, for the listener, it's early on a Saturday morning. I guess it's not that early, but I feel like in our bodies and our minds, it's early. Um, if somebody's listening to this for the first time, they just like delete, fast forward. <laughs> go to the- either that or they're just or they, that or they want to they want to watch the car crash. Right? They're, they want to gawk at this. At this, Is mess. More of this shit coming. Yeah. <laughs> So let's see. So Jen and, and Mike are really interesting partners. They they are partners mm-hmm. both in terms of the speaking that they do to to different audiences, but also they're partners in a, in a, in a, in a uh, mental health app called Pensive, P E N C I V, which you can check out. Mike is a former Navy SEAL and uh, a recovering addict himself. And, you know, here's my thought. Uh, I was sitting there thinking, like, should I be surprised that this former SEAL is among the more vulnerable people that I've talked to in the last year or not at all surprised, right? Because Navy SEALs are notoriously, like, some of the mentally uh, toughest and physically toughest people we know of. And, you know, on the one hand, you'd think, okay, well, this guy's not going to be... He's not going to open up. He's not going to let his guard down or whatever. On the other hand, you're like, he's tough as nails. Um, but I, I think his vulnerability probably has nothing to do with him having been a seal. And we talk a little bit about that in, in the, in the episode. Um, yeah. And then Jen is like this super soft-spoken, thoughtful, maybe younger. They're both younger. Everyone's younger than us these days. Right. Right. Pretty yes. Much. Um, yeah who who sort of i think had the original idea behind pensive but um yeah. it's a conversation we cover a lot of a lot of ground in terms of their own experiences with mental health what they're trying to do uh what their sort of vocation each of them and together what else sean i i was really curious about jin's uh, pensive app and um the whole concept of what he's trying to drive is <clears throat> social this concept of social journaling um, which is really interesting around around the app. And so we get into talking about what he's trying to achieve and and the betterment of humanity through uh, through this tool. And and um, and I think both men, you know, as they go around the country together, are trying to speak about you know mental health and and ways to get healthy. Um, just one other thing. So you you were also in the Navy as, as most of the listeners probably know, was the Navy seal, not the route for you? Like, Oh dude, I mean, did I, did I, Oh, 
Navy. Yeah, I was not in the Navy because I was because I could shoot a gun or because I was tough. Anything but I was in the Navy for for my for what was between my ears, which is you know. Right. And in fact, when I which first we all know, out, if you're a regular listener, no, is pretty special. What's oh, between your please. ears, right? It's uh, it was one of those. I'll tell you that story another time. But yeah, I when I signed up to be in the Navy, I was I think I was eighteen, and uh, it was I was committing to Naval Nuclear Power Program. So yeah. There was yes, never, I mean, the, like for the record, we don't need, they train us to shoot guns, a few of us on submarines. Really? I don't know, maybe it's changed only because we have some confidential material on board, right? There are a couple of handguns on the boat, uh, a, you know, a rifle maybe. Yeah, I'm always thinking guns in a submarine, though, are not a good idea. Not a good, right? well, it's because you watched Hunt for Red October, right? The bad right. shit happens yeah, if you shoot right. a gun. You, you're not yeah. supposed to shoot it in the, in the submarine, but if you were boarded, that's the idea, right? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got started on that path, but yeah, but yeah Navy SEALs. Uh, there's another Navy SEAL I've been trying to, to, to connect us with, John McCaskill, who is uh, yeah. who is full-time vocationally thinking about mindfulness for men primarily. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of guys. Yes. Yeah, so I, I encourage the listener, if you've made it this far, stay because Mike and Jen are, are awesome. Um, really special. Really? What? Why are you laughing? Really special I just conversation. At the at the at the double the dual meaning of our the title of our podcast these days. If you've come this far, if you can get past the intro, there's a good conversation waiting for you on the other side. All right, let's do this thing. Come All right, on. here we go. So men living is a, uh, we turned six years old on, um, December 31st. So we're a, uh, Chicago, what I say, Chicagoland centric nonprofit focused on creating spaces where guys can connect, heal and thrive. So we, have, we, using the, uh, company line, our vision is a world of healthy, intentional, connected men. And our mission is to create spaces where guys can connect, heal and thrive. So last year we created uh, 450 virtual spaces, uh, over 50 in-person events um, for guys just to get together and talk. I mean, it's very simple kind of strategy, Mike. I mean, get together, have conversation, support each other, explore, share ideas. I mean, just to come into um, time together where maybe you're having a conversation that you might not have with, you know, in a normal course of the day. And uh, we had hundreds of guys across the world participate in those meetings. Um, we do this podcast. Chris and I have done over 40, 40 episodes of this podcast. We have a database called Men Living Connect, where if you complete a profile, the system will match you up with other men that have uh, similar interests or matches within the profile. So if you and I complete it, it would say, okay, you and Mike are 75% fit. Why don't you guys uh, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation? So that's our mission. That's what we do. Um, I don't know, Chris, anything to add to that? I mean, just to, to, to sort of paint the picture, maybe a little more practically, I mean, at various times we've had recurring meetings for men in recovery, men going through separation, divorce, uh, veterans. Mm -hmm. Um, so just trying to create spaces and, 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 and I, I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of common ground between like sort of your efforts with pensive and this, and a lot of other mental health efforts these days around, okay, it's not professional supports, not the only place to 
for, for people to get mental health support or life, you know, fulfilling support, there's peer support as well. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I would, I would always qualify as a sort of a peer support organization as well. So, so important. So important. It, the one thing when I started having my issues and I ended up leaving the Navy, the one thing that goes with it is community, you know, on your way out, they're like, Hey, don't forget the brotherhood. Bye. Yeah. And then you yeah. have like one guy out of 20 that I spent years training up with going to combat with whatever the case may be. I mean, and I get it the the train rolls on, they say, and they've got to go do their thing. And, and, and the business of Navy is do Navy things. The business of the SEAL team is do SEAL team things. We don't have time for guys that aren't part of that organization, part of that train anymore. So whenever I had to leave, which was not the way that I planned to leave, all the community went with it. So now you've got someone like me who's very early in recovery, doesn't know anything about what it means to live sober. And one of the most healing aspects of that in and of itself is community. And that was the one thing that was taken away. So in my journey over the years and being able to talk to people about this, <clears throat> It's extremely important that having the right people to talk to for the people that are willing to open up about it is just absolutely huge. I didn't have that for a long time. You get it in rehab, right? But that's kind of, it's temporary, right? And then everybody disbands and who knows who's going to stay sober and who doesn't. It wasn't until I got to Denver three years ago, and I'm happy to talk more about this to some extent, that I had a little community there. It's two people. It's two yeah. people that let me come stay at their home. And we did this thing called family dinner. I'm a complete stranger to them. I'm like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do dinner. And I'm like, oh man, I don't really want to, but I probably should and not not be rude. Um, we had dinner one night, man, and we have been thick as thieves. They are two of the most important people in my life. Uh, the husband, his pen name is Mark Owen. Uh, he's a former SEAL. He was on the Bin Laden raid. Um, wrote a few books about it. Awesome, awesome guy. And his wife Nicole, which is another pseudonym, not using the real names. They're just amazing, amazing people. And, and they've helped me so much. So that allowed me to kind of clear the battle space and start getting into different groups, staying with the recovery groups, jujitsu, church, all this stuff. And all this stuff is, is part of how I met Jen. Um, now I'm talking to you guys. It, so what you guys are doing, I wish I'd have had this resource years ago. I, I wonder it would, if it would have made a difference. I love that that your two close friends now you you came to them via your seal community though it sounds like like that's how you all found yeah, them. is that how you found them so what actually happened is my uncle he's a venture capitalist he has a company called edge capital and and mark goes around and does public speaking so a lot of let's call it what it is rich white dudes like to hear navy uh -huh. seal stories uh -huh. and my uncle's just one of those guys he values relationships so they met each other years ago when I was still in the Navy. Fast forward to 2021, where I'm just like in the worst shape of my entire life. My uncle reaches out to Mark. Mark had just opened a brain treatment clinic here in Denver. He's like, send him my way. That's that's how we met. So it wasn't necessarily from the SEAL community. That that had no factor whatsoever. In fact, yeah. in fact, the fact that Mark was a SEAL, I had an aversion to that. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't care about SEALs anymore. I don't care about special forces anymore. I don't care about the fact that I'm a veteran. It has nothing to do with me getting sober. I didn't want to meet this guy. I had a bunch of preconceived notions about who he was, you know, a douchebag, arrogant, et cetera. You know, he's SEAL Team Six, right? These guys are super yeah. cocky and think they own the world, but I was wrong. I was yeah, absolutely wrong yeah. about him and about a lot of other guys like that. 
Um, man, we got a lot of ground to cover. Hi, uh, I'm Chris. Jen, nice to meet you. Chris, nice to meet you as well. Uh, it's great to put a face to the name, uh, to the voice. I've, I've heard enough episodes to where when I saw you talking, kind of just made me smile. And I was like, oh, wow, there, there he is. Yeah, in the flesh. So nice to hear. Yeah. Nice to hear. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sean. Hi. So, you, you know, you've noticed probably when you came on that we, we had started recording and we're yeah. already deep in, in the weeds with Mike. <laughs> okay. um, you, missed, you missed everything. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're actually done now. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, good job, guys. Easy morning. Well, <laughs> well we have to say, this is, our, this, is our fir- this is our first four-way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It is. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, charge. yeah, so we're very, very excited about this. Um, you know, for Chris's benefit, um, I met you two uh, in our um, partners meeting uh, with Diverting Hate, and we're and we're gonna have Caitlin on in a uh, future episode. So we'll talk more about Diverting Hate then. But um, I was, uh, you know, blown away by what you guys are doing. Um, Mike's story, what Pensive is all about, how you're going, you know, across the country talking about mental health, and particularly, I think, for men. Um, and it was just a perfect fit. And, you know, Chris and I just love to sit and talk with interesting people. And so we're, we're very thankful that you would come on and, and hang with us for a bit. So thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, so why don't you guys start with uh, how you got together and then kind of what you're, what you're doing and, in, in, uh, you know, going across the country and, and talking about this issue. Yeah, sure. I could take a stab at it, Mike, if that's all right. Um, well, we, we were just introduced through a mutual friend in the mental health community here in Denver, Colorado. Um, and we were both at a point in our lives where we were getting uh, like whispers and nudges from our own communities to take um, our stories or our backgrounds and to speak to larger audiences. Uh, and when we say larger audiences, we mean like you know, just double digits, you know, like even 10 people at a time. Yeah. Right? And that's really how it started for us. And and for Mike, it was, it was clear to me from the start that he had uh, a gift and I didn't know at the time quite how to articulate it, but over time um, I, I was able to, to see and, and f- be a recipient of that gift. And his gift is one of just remarkable vulnerability. Um, one of which that uh, can make other people feel safe to be vulnerable. Uh, it is such a rare gift. Uh, and uh, I, I take it as a huge blessing to get to speak alongside. It gives me great confidence. And, and uh, like I'm honored that I, I get to yeah, be in tandem alongside Mike. Um, and then for me, it was all about just trying to facilitate conversations around mental health. You know, I wanted to give people the language to talk about mental health with their family and their friends in a way that, um, yeah, we're able to approach it all as equals, right? Uh, like the difference between mental health and mental illness. Um, mm-hmm. with, uh, how do we look at community differently in the roles that they play in our lives? Um, and then, you know, based on that safety and security they provide, you know, how vulnerable can we be? Uh, and what should we expect in return for that vulnerability? So now I'm kind of going on and on, but uh, yeah, our goal together is to be able to, yeah, give people uh, hope or I guess we like to say like inspiration and information. Uh, well, Mike is very much that that inspiration and then I'll try to uh, back that with information. So yeah, that's that's our that's our that's our duo. 
Yeah, I, I try to be inspirational. I, I hope I hit the mark there. Yeah, it's so funny because when Jen and I first met, it had nothing at all to do with what we're currently doing. I was yeah. running a research study. One of the guys, the companies I work with had an employee that happened to know Jen. We start meeting, we talk about community. Um, he had a lot of insights uh, from talking to people, forming communities, and had built a template around it. So I was like, okay, maybe I can use this in this organization for people that went through this research study. But somehow, uh, divine intervention, call it what, it what you will, we ended up talking about this new aligned purpose. It just organically manifested that way. We, we, didn't, we never sat down and said, hey, what's our plan for 2023, 2024? Oh, hey, let's do this. Right. If anything, we're like, hey, I come to it and I'm like, hey, I'm finishing up this book and I'm getting into public speaking because now Jen's more of like a therapist mentor to me than he is just a friend. <laughs> he covers a lot of bases. Yeah. And uh, he's like, funny thing you say that. I've been thinking about public speaking too. And we're both like, we don't really want to do this. But let's do it. Yeah, and yeah. and that's how the whole thing started. Um, Jen starts setting up all these appointments. We start just putting ourselves out there. And yes, it, it, if if there's no other takeaways, it's look, vulnerability is a superpower. And I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn to get past all the old identities. And the only way to do that for me was when I lost everything, had nothing to represent anymore, got tired of the old images and the old labels that no longer served me. All I had left was me, which was scary which I thought was lame, but it was real. And other people just welcomed it. Real recognizes real. And, and it disarms the ego and allows other people to be like, okay, hey, he put something in a way that I've experienced that I haven't been able to talk about before. That's where the healing really occurs. That's why communities matter. We can get a bunch of people together and we just hang out and call it community. That doesn't really do much. It's when we open up about mm -hmm. what we're going through that somebody who's too afraid to open up has that same thing. They're like, oh, this is okay. This is okay. This is the rules for how this interaction goes. Now I can start talking about something that I was, I was terrified to talk about. I've seen that happen again and again and again. Brene Brown says, shame cannot survive the sunlight. We have to bring this stuff out. We all deal with this stuff. I, yeah. I don't think Jen, Jen should give all the, the inspiration credit to Mike. I see that I'm inspired already by Mike in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. But Jen, I don't think you should sell yourself short, uh, for one thing. That's very um, I would, I, I'm curious, and, and Mike, I, I think we'll probably end up coming back to like your story a little bit more and how, how it is that you came to care so much about this purpose and this cause. Jen, can you say a little bit about your background? Do you, I mean, do you have like close personal exposure to this? Have you struggled yeah. yourself, et cetera? Sure, yeah. Uh, my my personal connection to this is, I believe my calling in life, if you happen to believe in those, is to help prevent suicides. And my very first interaction with that was when I was 15. And I had a phone call uh, with my best friend who is in a panic. And she told me that she was in a situation that she just didn't know how to help anymore um that she had a friend on the line and that was threatening to take their life um and if my friend called the paramedics they would do it and for whatever reason my friend turned to me and said like you're the only person i can think of that could take this and so i said okay let's let's give it a shot um and in that moment uh the thing that still resonates with me today there's two things. One is I understood the circumstances um, at 15 years old. I, I understood I could say the wrong thing and, and what that could result in. Um, and the second thing I remember is this weird, eerie sense of peace that I had. Uh, I just believed in my heart that I wasn't going to lose that person 
And sure enough, today, you know, fast forward, the story has a happy ending. Uh, I got to meet this person. She's now today a mother of two, and she has a master's degree. Um, and that can, her story continues, right? And I can't say we're close today, but her story continues, and that's mm -hmm. fantastic. And that just kind of, yeah, expanded into my desire or kind of stoked that desire uh, of wanting to help prevent suicide through loneliness. <clears throat> and and that's kind of the the channels and, and the inlets and the outlets that I uh, have since explored. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty intensely. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Sean, uh, I, I interrupted you before, um, so I want you to get in here. But I also want to say that um, I, I feel like I like it better when we outnumber the guests. I, I feel like these guys... Uh, we level the playing field too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, sure. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to send one of them off the island? I, 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 don't, know. I, don't, know, I don't know what you're suggesting. Uh, but I did want to ask Mike, just to, just to close, you know, Mike's comment about vulnerability as a superpower... I'm curious, you know, um, the what you've learned post uh, Navy. Would vulnerability and those skills be important to a Navy SEAL, or are those just things that don't fit? Vulnerability, as yeah. a, as for a SEAL team, no. Vulnerability is something you exploit. It's something you identify in yourself so that you protect and cover up. It's something you exploit in the enemy. It is, it is a negative connotation. It is yeah. absolutely something we want to take full advantage of and manipulate to have the upper hand. On the backside, on the on the after the Navy side, yeah, totally different. But but yeah. but that understanding has to be made. That bridge has to be crossed because for a while it's like vulnerability is weakness. Talking about feelings yeah. is weakness. It'll get you kicked out of the SEAL teams. It'll get you kicked out of the military. You can lose your job depending on what job you have. If you're a law enforcement officer and you start talking about, hey, I feel sad after this officer involved shooting where I got shot in the shoulder, then you're like, oh, well, I don't know. We might have to take your badge. You, know, you have to be very careful about this stuff. And and all of that notwithstanding, just being a man in this society, often enough we grow up and we're like. Feelings. You don't have right. those. Your feelings right. are aggression. You can get angry. Anger is perfectly fine. But if you feel sad, hurt, oh my gosh, who do you yeah. think you? <laughs> you're not going to make it in this world, son. Well, I mean, even sh even showing joy to a certain extent, it, you know, fear yeah. and joy. I mean, those those don't even work. Really, we don't yeah. get too excited. Don't you know? No, I and you know, at some point in my life, I had to. My dad wasn't around growing up, so I had to figure out. Okay. What's the ideal of a man? And the most salient cues were Terminator 1 and 2, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, you know, crush your enemies, see them driven before you, hear them, hear the lamentations of their women, Conan the Barbarian type stuff. And, and I kind of like piece together different things like, okay, I've got to be big and muscular. I've got to show no emotions whatsoever. And I've got to just crush, crush, crush. And that's what I went for. And I, that's that kind of identity that I developed. And I eventually found the right archetype, which was elite warrior. And I thought, okay, this is going to satisfy all that. And this is going to prove to the world and to myself that I'm a man. And, uh, and wherein lies this huge trap that I found myself caught in, which, which has resulted in all of these, both unlearning and relearning the importance of all these things and, and what it really means to be a man and just a good human being in general, useful and, and of purpose in this world. You, when you two met, uh, it sounds, I'm just trying to get some clarity here on the timeline. It sounds like you worked, to, you, you knew that you wanted to work together on some stuff and that Pensive came up 
down the road a piece is that can you give me a little sense of, of how that of how your friendship evolved how your work together evolved when did pensive you know become an idea etc yeah pensive was an idea back in 2020 and we've been working on it about since then uh me and my business partner and uh the product was coming around to its launch in june of 2023 and it was just before then mike and i got reconnected um and yeah when we just kind of caught up about each other's projects um that's where we kind of learned that like hey we're getting told this similar thing how, how can we take steps in this together uh so that neither one of us are are walking into uh public speaking or motivational speaking this this new endeavor this new ch chapter on on our own um so yeah uh it, it's funny because it's been so serendipitous. I think out of every single speaking engagement that we've had, there's been somebody to say, wow, the two of you make so much sense. And it's like, fantastic. Yeah, we, this was, we thought so too. And we just gave it a shot, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And so, and so people, I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but people yeah. want the two of you to come together to speak to what types of audiences about what? Yeah, so we've spoken to uh, a range of audiences from uh, church youth groups, you know, high school students, all the way to uh, sober living programs. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we we talk of the, the title of the talk is Uncover the Unseen. Um, mm -hmm. And the point we make is to uncover the unseen feelings. Um, Mike is able to kind of tear the lid off of uh, let's look at our feelings in in a way that makes people feel safe again right um and and then i try to like my singular goal is to try to reframe feelings as information for who you're becoming right but the way that we get there is we have to we have to reframe how we're looking at feelings right um so yeah by the way I, I, thinking i'm looking for a space to tie this back in i might as well just grab it now i, I think mike and i what makes it successful is um, we don't ignore the fact that in order to really address what's underneath mental health superficially, right? We, we have to talk about how we're searching for meaning and purpose. It's no surprise to me that more than half of your guests uh, have kind of been in that space because there are people who have thought so critically about meaning and purpose, right? Yeah. And they understand that with a strong foundation, right? You can talk about, uh, your mental health in, in a very articulate way. Uh, so yeah, that's why I've been a fan. Of, I've listened to a lot of episodes. Uh, you know, I think the one of uh, the author of the Silver Lines Playbook, while he didn't, I don't think he was quite aware of how he was just threading that line or kind mm -hmm. of oscillating that line, but he was talking about meaning purpose and talking about the symptoms of mental health and then talking about meaning purpose and then the symptoms of mental health. And I was like, man, I mean, this is it right here, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's about having conversations like that. Yeah. Jen's, Jen's not going to talk much about himself, but I'll build him up for yeah. just a second. He and I <laughs> yeah. have a very similar way and manner in which we thought climbing the ladder very quickly and very early was going to be the ticket. Like that was going to be the answer. So what Jen's not telling you is he was very successful very early on in his company doing, I think it was sales or marketing training or something like that, executive training, did really, really well, promoted super early, just like I did, got to the top, was going up higher, just like I was. And we both got in that, that position and we realized that 
whatever problem we thought it would solve, it didn't really solve that problem. And we looked ahead and said, it's going to be just another false peak, one false peak after the next, one empty cavernous hole after the next. We both just kind of were disillusioned by the process. So there's a lot of commonality there. So by the time we came together, and, and he used the word serendipitous, I didn't learn this, by the way, till like the end of the year last year after working with Jen for almost a year now. So he's very, very accomplished, successful, et cetera, in his own right. So I shouldn't get all the spotlight and, oh, former Navy SEAL, like whoop-de-doo. He, he found a way to make it in the corporate world and climb that ladder. <clears throat> but we both found that there's more substance in other things. The substance that we thought would be there just wasn't there. I'm I'm interested. I'm so interested in this notion of vocation and purpose. Uh, always have been. Um, Jen talked about how old were you when you took that college in fifteen or sixteen? Fifteen, yeah. Fifteen, which is crazy to me. Yeah, Mike, you talked about. Um, I mean, you talked about sort of maybe a less linear path and thinking that you know uh, serving in the seals uh, was 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 your, maybe your vocation at some point, but I'm curious, was there, at what point did you first realize that you, you might have bigger things to do, bigger fish to fry than, than, than being a seal? And, and maybe it was related to your addiction. Maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Yeah, no, the bigger fish to fry came many years after I left the Navy. Um, I, I first realized that like, okay, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be, right around the time that I got pinned and earned my trident and was uh -huh. about to check into a SEAL team. I'm like, wow, I don't feel like I, like I thought I would feel. Now it's not that I thought I had a bigger purpose beyond that yet. My next purpose was, okay, B number one is a new guy. I got that. And, and that just, you know, became that ladder that I climbed. It wasn't until I think my fourth rehab about three years ago, when I had given up everything, absolutely everything, just given up hope to get sober, given up hope to have a relationship, given up hope to have a job, I didn't even know if I was going to live another few mm -hmm. years. We would sit around this big circle. I went to this place called Warrior's Heart for veterans and first responders, my second time there. And it finally came to me in the circle. And I just, I was sick and tired of talking, right? I, I used to be really into me, which is part of the whole SEAL thing. But now I'm like, I don't really even like myself. I can't help anybody. I can't help myself. And I'd share. And then we'd go on to the next person. And then we'd break. And then somebody came up to me afterwards. He goes, hey, man, do you know what happens every time you share? I'm like, no. He goes, everybody stops what they're doing and listens to every word that you say. He goes, you're going to help a lot of people one day. I'm two weeks sober at the time. <laughs> I'm like, you're delusional. I can't even get sober, but thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't think anything of it. Everything that's happened since then, um, another psych ward visit after that, a very another serendipitous meeting with the people here in Denver. Everything is just continually growing and people keep telling me like, hey, you're going to help people. Your story is going to help people. I fought it. I'm like, my story is whatever. I'll just do whatever I need to do to stay sober. But more and more, it became, you need to put yourself out there. You need to get your story out there. You're going to help people, period. Mm -hmm. So I just have recently started to embrace that and accept that. Was, was that 12-step uh, based or not, that program? Absolutely. Yep. They absolutely have the 12-step program recovery there. It's it's interesting. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we spoke to an old college classmate of mine who's written a couple of books on the value to ourselves of of empathy and compassion. Two different things, but, but I think he wrote writes about both of them. And one of the pieces of his of the of data that he looked at was twelve step about how the the, the step jump. There's a step jump in twelve step recovery uh, rates. And it happens at that 12th step when suddenly it becomes less inwardly focused and more outwardly focused, which is, I think, what I'm hearing you 
having discovered in that scenario, it's like, oh, actually, it's not just all about me. I can, you know, have this greater purpose and help other people. Um, am, am, am I reading that correctly? hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. Going after me for me, 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 what's this going to look like? What's it going to feel like? What's it going to look like for me to be here? That's that, this, that, and the other that had to fail utterly before I could even take a look outside of me. I had to realize that me going after me things, it's not fulfilling. Hmm. It's not even slightly fulfilling. And you're right. Uh, the, the, the one of the most important parts in a 12 step program recovery is working with others without a doubt. It, we get out, we have to start getting out of ourselves immediately by, you know, coming to grips with a higher power by, and then, you know, we go back in and out, in and out, but we're always trying to be guided by something greater than ourselves. That, sure. that has to be, because it starts with, I don't have the power to choose whether I drink or, or drug today. I don't have that. And my, my life experience very painfully has to resemble that. If it doesn't, then, then that program won't work for me. It, it'll work if it's true, but step one, powerlessness, it, it absolutely has to be true. But yes, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, there is an inward focus, but very, very quickly it becomes selfless. It, it, people say it's a selfish program. It's a self, no, it's a selfless program. It's mm -hmm. about helping other people. So, so when we started the conversation, you talked about leaving the Navy and, and you know, losing your community. Uh, did you, uh, when you left, did you resist community for a while? I mean, you obviously struggling with addiction, resist it, and then ultimately give yourself towards, you know, to community, whether it be the organizations you were working with, or as you go out and speak and, and you're engaging, uh, people all the time. So are you, are you a community builder now in that sense? I don't know if I call myself a community builder and it's not that I resisted community. It's just that I thought I was above community, right? Like I thought I was special and different and better than everybody. It was never equal playing field ever. It was always, well, I've got this cool experience with certificates to prove it and this shiny warfare device. I somehow am going to move beyond and quicker and better than everybody else. I don't really need all the things that you guys need, but good luck mm. with that. Mm. Eventually it became, look, I don't know anything about anything. I can't think the right thoughts. I can't plan the right plans. I can't dream the right dreams. I don't know anything. That's when I started to assimilate into community because now community has something to teach me. And that's humility. Mm. That's an essence yeah. of humility is I become teachable now because I realize step one, I don't know anything. This episode of If You've Come This Far is brought to you by Judson & Moore, Chicago Distillers of American Whiskey. Right here in the Avondale neighborhood on the west bank of the Chicago River, our friends at Judson & Moore are distilling, barreling, bottling, award-winning bourbon rye and single malt whiskeys. So if you like whiskey or great cocktails or great music, you should treat yourself by paying them a visit. You can learn more at judsonandmoore.com. And please consider following our show in the meantime. Jen, you weren't on yet uh, when I when I confessed to Mike that I'm also a former Navy guy. My warfare pit is these dolphins. I was a submarine guy. Um, so apologies for going back to the military route for a second no or staying with it. Yeah. Mike, do you do you find yourself wanting to reconnect, make amends, help your brothers um these days? I currently do that. I absolutely do that now. I, I work with an organization that caters to special forces veterans and their families. Mm -hmm. And it started with running a research study for them, which we look at three very effective healing modalities for TBI, PTSD, and, and a lot of endocrine dysregulation, a lot of spiritual uh, dysfunction. But then they recently brought me on uh, in a full 
full-time greater capacity where I handle all the grant requests. So special mm. forces, operators and their families, the entire community, not just the SEAL teams. Do I still have regret about the past and, and would give anything to, to sit down and talk with these guys and, and just let them know I'm okay and that I care about them and that I miss them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I did make that effort years ago for the immense process. And it was what it was, but it's just, man, once I realized my part that I played in, in ruining those relationships, that's when it really hit home for me. I was like, wow, I wish I could go back and change that. If, if only for the sake of holding on to the relationship and not violating their trust. So, so you guys are um, going wherever you can to tell, tell the story. Uh, to shed a light on on the issues with mental health, but you also, pensive as we'll talk about in the intro, um, you're offering a tool to help people, um, whether they're in the midst of it or uh, you know maybe as a as a uh, a way not you know to normalize as they go forward. So can you talk a little bit about you know pensive the the uh, the app and what it's designed to do? Yeah, the word normalize, I was really excited when you said that. I was like, oh, that's totally it right there. You know, when we started out, we started out as a, a more a journal, a specialized journal, right? The only journaling app you could find with a feelings wheel in it. And if you're not familiar with a feelings wheel, um, a feelings wheel is essentially, it's a way to try to categorize the feelings that you experience uh, into a core set of feelings uh, to just always give you a map of your feelings essentially uh, and the movie inside out made that really popular right mm -hmm. with like five core emotions that we feel um and you know those those five that they selected are up for debate in the feelings community uh but it is very uh you can make a movie around it so it works out great um and while we liked that as a differentiator, um, we thought we finally realized, you know what, that's too narrow in the overall attempt to normalize feelings as information. Um, so yeah, we've recently pivoted to make it more of a social application. Um, and the opportunity that we see is today, when you look at social media, it's just completely chock full of companies that want you to tell them or tell your friends on their platforms, I should say, what you're doing and what you've done, right? Instagram's the top 1% of what you've done. Snapchat is what you've done recently. LinkedIn is what you've done in work, right? Um, but there's no social platform for being. How have you been? Why don't we have a space for that? And I think we need a digital space for that because in a, the physical space, it's just face to face, it's scary. It's scary to tell people how you've been because you can't control their reaction. There's the bottom line. But like, sometimes they're going to want to try to help you find a solution or maybe even try to fix you. Right. And that's scary. And so we will say, you know, what? I, I don't want to tell how anybody how I've been. But then we were at this new tension that is I still want to keep my loved ones informed. I still want them to know because I know that they love me and I love them and I want them to know how I've been. And so that to me deserves a digital space, right? And we deserve a digital space where we can tell each other how we've been without that company then trying to take that data and selling us stuff. <laughs> Not trying, doing. That's exactly yeah. what, the, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so yes, that's, that's where pensive is at today. Uh, and all, all of it, I just see pensive as one of the many that are trying to, to normalize mental health as health. Just the opportunity that we see is, you know what, there's, there's a big digital space that's, that we think, uh, is, is being ignored because social media has been so dominant. So that's kind of the, the space that we're checking out. So you said a couple things I want to react to. One is uh, I I loved in it uh, in and out, and my wife's like, "Wait, you can't watch cartoons. We're adults. <laughs> adults don't." And I'm like, uh, "You, she's got a lot a lot of issues." But uh, and and the second and the second the second thing is, um, and I'm curious what how Mike would think about this. You know, we don't want to. We're afraid to share our feelings, how we're feeling. Uh, is that something we have to run to versus run away from? I mean, it and and is pensive helping us to do that? You know, don't be afraid. I mean, share how you're how you're feeling. Yeah, that's hard, right? I, I think yeah. it's a tough thing to do for anybody, myself included, because when I open up about something I'm going through, I run the risk of somebody maybe disqualifying or discounting it, um, or they become you know my therapist and try to tell me how to solve the problem. When more often than not, sometimes I just want to talk about it to talk about it, right? I learned that through two marriages, by the way. Um, every time they share something doesn't mean they want me to tell them what to do about it next. They just want somebody to sit there and listen and validate. So the app does give a way to do that. You don't have to share your stuff with anybody. It can just be a, right. a, a portrait or, or, or a panorama of what experiences and what emotions I've dealt with this past month. Like this past month, there's been a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of sadness, and, and you know, a little bit of happiness there. The following month, there's whatever, whatever ratio it is, right? So it's really, if nothing else, it's a tool for me to look at and be like, okay, how am I doing just in general? How is this trajectory looking for me? You know, other apps have like quick little check-ins where they have a smiley face or a frowny face or something like that. And that's fine. Um, but Jen wants to go a little way more in depth, not a little bit more, but way more in depth and help us to identify this stuff. Something I learned early on in addiction and recovery, you know, both from whatever traumatic experiences I've had and just from the substances themselves is I sit there and I talk with a therapist and she's always like, not only how does that make you feel, but where do you feel that? We learn to identify those emotions so we become more skilled at talking about them. So when I sit across from somebody and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm off today versus, you know, I feel really sad and scared about this new opportunity. Um, I'm, I have a fear of uncertainty. And honestly, I, I don't think I'm enough in this position. That is totally, those are two totally different things, right? Which one of those is more relatable? We can more relate to the one where we identify five different emotions Less relatable. Ah, I'm just off today. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just go work out, dude. Whatever. Punch a punch a bag. It'll be fine. Get over it. Um, so it helps. It helps other people to identify these as well. I just want to say, just just in case, I've been married 30 years and I have a lot of issues too. So it's not just you know my wife with cartoons. So I just just for the rec, just so I get that <laughs> smart, on the record. Smart yeah, client. Just so I get that yeah, on the record. Yeah, good cover. Good cover. Well, yeah. We have kids, so it's perfectly cool if I watch cartoons right now. My time is coming to an end eventually. <laughs> um, Mike, I, I just you mentioned the book. You mentioned a research project. I don't know if those two things are related, but but did you want to give any airtime to those, or or I'm curious what those were, what those are. Sure. I'll start with the book. I just finished it. And it's about all of my experiences, right? So a lot of things that I go up and share in front of a group of people, I go into even more detail, more excruciating detail. I highlight, yes, the trajectory from being the overweight kid that got bullied and teased 
and then got arrested and then tried to kill myself to becoming a top performing Navy SEAL, right? So there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of uh, rite of passage type of stuff there. And then this crazy thing happens where I become this full-blown addict. I lose everything. I, I stay at the bottom and go a little bit lower over time. And, and my life just takes this just crazy turn in addiction, stuff that I never, ever thought would happen to me. And trying to build this idea that the truthful notion that we don't know what's in store for us, but it's 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 what we do about it. So that's what the book is about. It's meant to, because I didn't have people to talk to growing up. I never shared my emotions. I kept everything bottled in. My dad, when he did have visitation, he would always say, you know, Michael, he'll suffer in silence. And I was proud of that. I was like, yeah, my dad, I'll never crack. Um, now I don't do that anymore, right? I've learned better. Mm -hmm. So before I had people to talk to, there were the memoirs and the autobiographies. You know, my mom uh, struggles with alcohol uh, mm -hmm. abuse. Um, she's a former alcoholic. And, and a book that I read at the time was called Dry by Augustine Burroughs. And something, it just helped me relate to something that was going on in my life by getting a different perspective of it. So the book, if it serves no other function, is going to be that thing somebody takes off the shelf wherever, whenever, and is like, wow, I'm going through similar things, or I'm going through the exact thing, or man, this guy, mm -hmm. he went through all this. I should really start putting myself out there, but be careful. So it can be it can be that uh, sounding board for somebody when they don't maybe have an opportunity to either talk to me or talk to anybody at all. Um, so that's what I'll say about the book. No relationship to, to the research study. The research study just kind of fell in my lap. Um, I was here in Denver a few years ago getting a brain treatment therapy, I had no intention of you know, really going anywhere with any organization. And long story short, I got an offer to run this research study almost out of the blue. I mean, there was a buildup to that, but it was, it was mostly kind of just landed in my lap. And I said, yes, instantly, no questions asked. I don't mention that in the book, maybe at the very end in the epilogue, I mentioned that I'm running a research study and helping a, it's the same nonprofit organization that funded my brain treatment therapy. So it was a really interesting kind of full circle turn of events. And and when so will really the book be when will the book be available for us? Uh that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. It is it is it is finished up. There's a bow on it, it's buttoned up, and now we are exploring different publication options. Okay. I'm thinking this year, I'm hoping this year. So I will definitely let you guys know. Yeah, yeah please do. So I again I don't want to lose the point about pensive, uh Jin. Um that yes, it's a journaling tool, but but the social aspect of it, the uh, the community aspect of it. So, can you talk about why that's so important to to the tool to the app? Yeah, so, so we're, we call it a social app for being, and we've we've been talking about it um, very in a very familiar way throughout this hour, and. The word that I've been kind of chewing on since we've been throwing it throwing it around is normalizing. Right. The idea of normalcy is uh, kind of double-edged. Right. On, on the one hand, all it takes is to find commonality to feel normal. Right. And, and that's a gift when that happens. And that's what I hope can happen through the application. But the the side of the sword that bites is when you can get trapped in thinking that normal is too far away right it's when people think that 
man, I, I know this makes me not normal. That it can lead to really dark thoughts about self. And so, you know, I, I hope that this can be a platform where people can begin to seek out commonality, right? It's when one or two, wow, when two people say, oh, I know that feeling, that we feel that blanket of normalcy. But um, I also at the same time want to shatter normalcy as a, a prerequisite for being allowed to share. Um, so yeah, kind of in that ethos, I hope that pensive become can be a, a first step that people can take to exploring commonality uh, as an introduction to normalcy instead of normalcy as a prerequisite. There's also a, there's also an aspect of the app where there's a there's a prompt that's global where anybody yeah. can answer it and they answer it anonymously. It just gives like their age and their and their gender. Yeah, but it's right. it's any number of prompts like, you know, <clears throat> what's something you're proud of? So you can go on there and click and see 10 different responses from 10 different people about what they're and again, that's like, okay, yeah, okay. What not what am I proud of? Or even better, the the more the darker, some of the darker questions or that touch on the darkness, like what's something you're not proud of? What's something you're actually disappointed about? You get to click on that and see 10 different responses from 10 different people. And that that can be the beginning of anonymously opening up. It can be like the training wheels. Jen, I'm, I'm I'm curious not to go into the business side of things, but did you bootstrap the development of Pensive? Yes, very much so. Yeah. And was yeah. it just was it just you? It was uh, me and my business partner. We we did get uh, some support uh, from family and friends, which has been fantastic. Um, and more than anything, their encouragement and their patience to just man to create a, a tool for mental health when mental health is something we can't all agree on. That's going to take some time. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, early on in the call, one of you guys, I can't remember which of you was like, oh, yeah, if we speak to a room full of 10 kids or 10 people, that's enough. And I agree with that. And, you know, look, if 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 you didn't do anything else with mental health other than take that phone call when you were 15, that's a fucking win. Right. Um, so and. And there is this sort of epidemic of of mental health and so to the extent that we can scale any sort of tool that's helpful is 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 powerful um uh obviously apps like this are scalable where, where do we where do we sit right now in terms of uh users and and size of the network or whatever we call it yeah we're just approaching like 400 uh we like to call them members we're just approaching 400 members over six months uh, which has been exciting. And we're just trying to respond to that feedback of, hey, let's make this more shareable. Let's make it easier to let people know um, how, how we're being. So, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. I mean, for men, you know, and for men living, I mean, we create spaces. And so yes. you know, looking at pensive, pensive is another space that, you know, men can share how they're feeling, um, you know, yes. their thoughts, ideas, struggles, yeah. right. joys, whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're looking forward to, to making it a part of, of what we do and who we are. Oh, that's awesome. um, yeah. There's so many ways the app could go in terms of, and, well, and, and it does. You can build your own communities. You have your own loops. Am I getting the terminology? Yeah, you can yep. build your own yep. loops, your own groups of friends. If you, if you bust out 
uh, Jin's pensive and open that up, it's like it's like the flagship pensive, right? It's got 800 different loops, 500 different cities, and 12,000 people on it. Um, but these are people that these little communities he can keep in touch with and send things out to. So that it's absolutely a digital space for anybody who's willing to engage in it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been invited to one of those loops yet, Jen. But um, I, I before we I, I just have to put. Uh, yeah. Uh, another comment as it relates to normalcy, I think it's yeah. it's really interesting to think about what is at, what is actually normal. I mean, we right. we again at Men Living, we use you know a, a tagline, if you will, that we're a place for regular guys. Well, what's regular? Um, right. And and you know from our from our standpoint, it's everyone. I mean, yes. don't don't consider yourself any anything but you know a regular guy, and it, that's a beautiful beautiful thing, and it doesn't yeah. mean. You know, it's it's guys that are Navy SEALs and it's guys that love musical theater and everything in between. And yeah. and, uh, you know, and I think sometimes maybe we we as a as a society, as a culture, um, we struggle because we don't think we're normal. And what the hell is that to begin with? So uh, can we let go of that? I don't know. You know, I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think I think something I'm guilty of is I compare somebody's outsides to my insides. Yeah. Right. So I have somebody who's super successful. They're attractive. They're fun. You know, they're the life of the party. I'm like, man, what's wrong with me? I don't even feel like talking right now. And then I start feeling this shame cycle of, well, maybe I'll just go, I'll just go hide in the basement or or leave or whatever. I I don't belong here. I'm not enough. So that's yeah. that's how I've experienced a lot of that stuff. So this whole like the regularity of things and 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 not really getting wrapped around the actual of the labels, it's, it's how do I identify, right? Like, how can I, what are the similarities that I have? Like with me and just another guy, we're just, we're just regular guys coming here and, and, and having similar problems in different circumstances. That happens to me every time I get on one of these recordings with Chris, I'm like, oh yeah. How do I live up to that? It's really oh, hard. Please. <laughs> the only thing I got that you don't is a little bit more hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you guys we um gosh how do we do these questions sean before we go into questions um jen knows this and mike i don't know if you've listened to the podcast we asked three canned questions at the end but we think they're interesting um how we're going to do it with two of you is uh i think i have a plan for that but before we do that is there any ground that we didn't cover that you think we should or that you'd like to yeah, one one thing I'd like to is I was thinking about how to weave this in. So thanks thanks for giving us the opportunities uh, and the space, Chris. Is is just like what is mental health? What is mental health? And I I want to just keep evangelizing this because I think it makes it easier to talk about. And in its simplest form, right? Mental health is your ability to be present. So as that shows up in your communities and you want to have productive conversations, I encourage you to just. Just ask your your peers, your family members. Hey, what's what's been making it hard to be present lately? Uh, mm. And yeah, that's that's it would be a great way for you to get to start having conversations about mental health. Do either of you have a meditation practice? I'm curious. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, I aim to do 15 minutes in the morning and then 15 minutes in the evening. And it's I have Insight Timer app. It's the free version. And I just play whatever it starts with a gong plays music for 15 minutes and then I'm done. I just, I, I thought of that a, because we interviewed a friend of men living who is a, uh... he's a Buddhist monk under Thich Nhat Hanh. And in fact, Thich Nhat Hanh says the greatest gift you can give anyone is your presence. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 
back to Jen's point. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in terms of just how to talk about it, if we talk about physical health, what do we talk about? Talk about, are we exercising? What's our diet look like? How's our sleeping? You know, are we taking any supplements? We have plenty of, of terminology for that. I think really what Jen wants to do and correct me if I'm wrong is just develop more nuanced dialogue around mental health. You know, mm-hmm. what, how are things affecting me? How am I feeling? All that stuff, mm-hmm. normalizing the conversation. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, we could talk about all kinds of, and that's what mindfulness is, by the way, talking about having more nuance. Mindfulness is the practice of being present. Yeah. So that's reductive mindfulness, which is like cutting out noise, working out, uh, meditation, prayer. And then there's additive mindfulness. This is creating meaning out of what's left, right? This is mm-hmm. therapy. This is journaling. Um, this is uh, reflecting with community. Um, but yeah. How many, uh, before we get to the questions, how many talks are you guys aiming to do in the year ahead, let's say? As as many as we can. We've got uh, two coming up between now and April, and then a third one that Diver and Hate is supporting as well. Uh, there's one in the works that we're hoping to get like a live stream for where we're going to invite somebody who's had a, a domestic violence background and history, and, and she's going to be able to share uh her journey there as well um so yeah uh not entirely sure what this structure looks like or what the goals are uh we're just excited to get to to work together and and we'll just try to yeah share as much as we can and both in person and virtual you're doing the talk yeah so that that one that diverting hate will be supporting that will be uh the first one that's like live streamed Uh, so that will be exciting yeah do, do the talks evolve into any sort of curriculum? Um, so there's like interaction. I mean, I, Sean, it sounds like you well, know, but go ahead. No, I, well, I'll let Jen, I mean, I think it's pensive. I think that's, that's kind of what it can move into. Is- so good question. It's, it is, you know, uh, a way for us to explain our personal platforms and our personal projects, right? Like Mike's book that's coming out and and also pensive. Um, but we have gotten that question a lot on like, hey, what's is there a curriculum on this? Because yeah. it's, it's speaking to us in ways that we want to work through. Uh, and so that's actually a, a side project that Mike and I are starting up with another friend. That is, how can we take this into schools? How can we take this into right. like college level? Um, and we're, we're talking with colleges. And yeah, it, it occurs to me that, you know, it's fun. It, it, it's interesting. It occurs to me, we, you know, the talks like this, where we're really exploring deep deep things, yeah. uh, deep emotions, community. And then we're like, well, is there a curriculum after so I can learn <laughs> how to do it? And I'm thinking, Jin's in my head thinking, well, maybe it's not doing, maybe it's being. And yeah. so can we just be and not yeah. do that? Oh, wow, I need, a, you know, I need a book to tell me like how to, how to <laughs> no, be. No, but and I'm thinking back to sc- what's scalable. How do we reach I know kids, I, for example? <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, I get it. I, I understand. <laughs> I appreciate it. Do you guys, do you guys, I feel like we're two married couples. Do you guys ever fight, Jen and Mike? You, come on. Never. I'm always right, so it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty true. <laughs> so, yeah. And I was going to say, you could take him out if he had to. So, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, you guys yeah, right. in, mu- in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's very amicable. Yeah, we just, we come together for, we give each other, uh, what am, what's the word I'm thinking of? We've got that rapport, right? We have spiritual license or whatever you want to call it. 
to where if Jen says something where he's like, that's not right, or you overdid it there, or that was a little too much, he's done that to me. And at first I'm like, who do you think you are? In my mind, <laughs> I don't say that. And I'm like, okay, ego, pride, calm down. Listen to what he's saying. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, well, we're we're gonna let's try this. If you guys are game, let's do the. And here's what I all want to do it because because I don't because I want to support your healthy partnership and don't want you to fight. I'm gonna <laughs> let Jen go first on the first question. Mike go first on the second question, and then we'll we'll flip it. Um, all right. So the first question is, and this is for you first, Jen. But then Mike, I want you to follow up with this. First question: What do you wish you could have told your ten year old self? Yeah. Um... I'm glad I got this one. I'm not going to lie. After all the episodes that I've listened to, Jamie Lipton is somebody who uh, was a, a massive role model of mine. And uh, I heard you talk about that. Yeah. What I would tell my 10-year-old self is uh, the self-made man is just a marketing ploy. It's the biggest lie there is. Um, it's so overrated. And if you want to achieve things, and if you're curious about things that are outside of your capabilities or out of outside of your current skill set that's normal and to yeah to achieve something greater be a part of something greater involve people invite people be vulnerable and there are other people searching uh with a similar drive as you with a similar curiosity as you um so don't fall into the trap of needing to be a self-made man and before mike goes so um you know, when we interviewed Michael Clinton uh, on his book, Roar, Chris was like, okay, we got three questions. And he's like, well, oh, Jim Lipton's been in my, <laughs> in my house. <laughs> no way. He like, yeah, he yeah. was like, what? Yeah. Oh, so, man, that's just, awesome. Yeah. Mike Harden, what, uh, what do you wish you could have told 10-year-old Mike Harden? You know, what's so interesting about this is I, I had a therapy session yesterday and we talked about a bunch of shame and we talked about inner child work. And it was literally at 10 years old where I had gained a bunch of weight and started getting bullied mm. and a bunch of other things happened right after that. I would tell 10-year-old me, I, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, you, are, you are good the way that you are. You are good the way that you are. You, are. you are perfectly fine. You're going through some stuff right now, but you are good the way you are. That is the most I could think to tell a 10-year-old and that a 10-year-old would need to hear because I never heard that when I was mm. 10. Yeah. I love that. I think that message is so hard for our today's youth to hear with social media, man. It's so like, I mean, you guys are a lot younger than I think Sean and, and me, but I don't think you grew up in the midst of Facebook. Maybe you did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right before it, right before it hit. Oh yeah. 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 I remember that. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike, your turn to go first. Question number two. Um, do you have a mantra in life or a mantra these days? Yeah, I've got quite a few. I think the biggest one is you've got this, embrace the fear and step into it. The other one I have is thy will not mine be done. Because I always got to remember I'm here to do my higher powers work, which is to serve others. So anytime I get scared, which is often in time, sometimes I lose hope, which happens It's like, hey, I'm here to be of service. You got this. Step into it, embrace it. Thy will not mine be done. This is why it sucks to go second, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I have a lot. I've got, I'm like, I've got like a, I've got sticky notes on my monitor uh, for just things that I'm constantly just rereading to motivate myself. Uh, the, the, I'd say the most big picture one that I tell myself and I remind myself is uh, don't live today with the luxury of knowing you're going to live tomorrow. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's mm. the one I, I try to, to tell myself most. And that's the one that's carried with me for years. Um, and then my most recent one uh, that I've needed to tell myself to really just take things day by day is uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, just I think my disposition of late has been one of just intensity and and rigor and get things done. So I, I can I can forget to be glad and rejoice. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of a big picture and a small picture one. Yeah, it's great, yeah. guys. Be present, yeah. right? Yeah. Be present and glad. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's see. We could Rochambeau for who gets to go first. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna point Mike. You get to go first because you're Navy guy. Um, here, this is we go a little bit a little bit deeper here. But what, Mike? What do you hope people will say about you at your wake? Oh man, I hope people will say man he was a good dude he really cared about people and he inspired me jen yeah i've had a lot of time to think about this one uh just by being a listener and gosh i've thought of so many things if somebody said that i made them feel welcome Mm. that, that means that i was able to i don't know somehow communicate love through my actions mm-hmm. and uh something in that vein at my wake would be uh would be a good pat on the back on the way out mm-hmm. yeah man i gotta say part of me part of me wanted i was going to ask you guys at one point ahead we had more time like does anyone look at you guys and say wait you guys aren't therapists you're not psychologists you're not psychiatrists what qualifies you to do this both of you are excellent communicators um, yeah. in, in my humble opinion, no one is telling me that I'm not qualified more than I am. And it's this weird, it's, it puts me in this weird dichotomy or on the one hand, I'm able to relate to people and audiences because of that, because I'm not trying to fix them. And then it's on the other side, it's really hard to open those doors because I don't have any extra letters after my name. Right. So. It, 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 yeah, it's uh, just part of, of our journeys, I guess, uh, is to still be able to, to find audiences to speak to, which is why this podcast, this is our first podcast um, together, my first ever. And so this is why it's been so exciting. So thank you, because um, despite the lack of credentials, um, we're able to reach audiences, right? And, and uh, that's it's a wonderful opportunity you've given us. So thank you both very much for this. Yeah. The lack of formal credentials, which, right, which right. don't mean yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, given what we do every day, it's, it's. Um, I bristle sometimes at that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the the uh, the credentials to you know to go out and speak about these issues, to be open and um, and willing to tell your story. I mean, Mike. I mean, the all the depths of your story is a beautiful thing, and mm. you know, no. 
not to minimize it, but you know, book book learning doesn't necessarily make you um, the best person to do that. So, um, I just I just love what you guys are doing. So, thank you. Same. Thank you guys. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we look forward yeah. to the book, Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let us too. know about the book. I will. Yeah, I'll send you guys a copy. Absolutely. I'll make Jim buy it though. <laughs> <laughs> he knows that after all this time yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, peace and love to you guys thanks for coming uh, we'll see you soon thank, thank you so much thank you all. Take care. this is Chris thanks again for joining us on this episode of if you've come this far and this is Sean remember to check us out mnliving.org